Welcome, welcome, welcome to everybody's favorite cinema podcast, Look in California, if you're in Minnesota. I am the Look in California portion of the program. My name's Michael McCaffrey. I'm a writer, uh, an acting coach sometimes, who sometimes lives in Los Angeles, California. Now is not one of those times. And I am joined by everyone's number one ranked, the greatest of all time Minnesotan, Barry Anderson. Barry, tell us a little bit about yourself. Now, you know, I'm just a, a director living the dream here in the Midwest and uh, working all over the country. But uh, my favorite part of my job is uh, getting together to uh, talk about movies that make people angry and thinking that we're just two curmudgeons that hate cinema. So, you know, that's what we're doing here. <laughs> I don't know what's what's the worst part of that sentence is if it's the fact that uh, people hate us because we're curmudgeons or that. This is the best part of your job. I, I mean, I'm not sure which maybe is maybe worse. It's not the best that. part. It's one of my favorite parts. How about that? We'll soft it. We'll soften it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now we have to say to everybody out there, apologies. We've been a little lax in terms of doing podcasts. Um, Barry has been super, super busy. He's very in demand. And so he's been working a lot. I have not been. I'm not in demand. And so it's all Barry's fault that we haven't done a podcast in quite some time. But today... Like every day, we are doing a very special episode. By the way, I, California I have episode. to come up with an audio track to put. When you say that, there needs to be like some Chinese music. <laughs> right, some some sickly sweet <laughs> yes. sitcom music coming out. It's so good. Um, <laughs> like those, uh, what were those? Well, I mean, my more, buddy the more you know, do, do, the do, more do, you know, do. yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Um, okay. So today we're going to talk about the just concluded Ted Lasso season two. Now, Ted Lasso is on Apple TV Plus, which if you are very, very savvy, you can navigate and find somewhere. It took me years to find this goddamn uh, streaming service, but I found it. And literally the only reason I have it is to watch Ted Lasso. There's no other reason to have that stupid streaming service. Um, But Ted Lasso season two just ended just a couple weeks ago. Um, let's see, when did it end? I'm looking right now. Uh, it ended October 8th. Yeah. And today is the 18th or 19th. And, um, yeah, so a week and a half ago. So, so Ted Lasso season two is over now, Ted Lasso season one, we've done a podcast on. And in that podcast, I confess that Barry saw Ted Lasso and recommended it to me. And it took me a long time to watch it. And then I finally watched it and the show snuck up on me. I didn't expect to like it. When it started, I kind of didn't like it. And then it was just so good. And especially during these times, uh, back then it was a year ago. Back then it was, you know, the height of the, the COVID stuff and everything was awful and the election and all this business. And it was like a, a cool mountain stream on a very, very, very hot day. That's what Ted Lasso was. And I, I ended up loving the show. So season two started this uh this late this summer just ended and we're going to talk about it and i'm really and, curious and because... i want and i want to note i think the first season had eight episodes and because it was such a success season two has 12 episodes season two has 12 episodes season one had 10 oh 10 okay well they added two extra. You're, you're are correct right. they added so two. only 20 yeah. not 25 percent more but it is yes. just a note that it was so successful that they actually increased the number. 
And I, I, I don't know about you. I don't think I've ever watched anything else on Apple TV Plus. Oh wait, no, I tried watching something but didn't like it. Turned it yeah, off. Yeah, I, I, I made the misfortune of uh, giving the uh, Tom Hanks movie a watch. Uh, oh, the boat right one. On? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the structure of that movie was fatally flawed. So it was kind of like, oh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't awful, but it wasn't good because like there wasn't enough stakes. It's like they set it up and then there's like a fight and then yeah. it's kind of like waiting and then it's over and you're kind of like, oh, well, that was not okay. very, that wasn't very eventful. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, Lots that of tension with nothing. Totally but, worth whatever, yeah. six bucks a month or whatever you're paying. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, so Ted Lasso, in case you don't know, just a quick recap of the plot and all that stuff is Ted Lasso is a uh, college football coach who goes viral because he danced in his um, locker room with his team and then he gets hired to be a soccer coach for a club in England. Um, the, the twist in season one is that the, co- the owner of the team, uh, a divorcee, is just hiring him to ruin the team um, because it, the team was her husband's and he loves it and she hates her husband now, her ex-husband. So that was the premise. So everybody was out to get Ted Lasso. He's a laughingstock. Because uh, he knew nothing about soccer, of course. He was an American football coach. And he was the, the term I think Barry and I both agreed upon for Ted Lasso, the character, and that first season is Ted Lasso is relentlessly optimistic. And he ends up, he, do, he has obstacles to overcome. It's not like some Pollyanna show, but he survives. And, and it's, it's a very, there's just something about the show. It just, it just, <laughs> it, it's sort of intoxicating and, and addicting. And uh, it, it was, it was great. First season was great. Now season two, the end of season one, everything sort of resolved itself for the most part. Yeah. Um, it was, it, all was, of it the... was fairly self-contained, which made it yeah. curious what they were going to do with season two and where, where are they going to take these characters? You fell in love with the characters, but it wasn't like a bunch of things dangling out there being like, okay, I still got to climb that rest of the mountain or that boat just crashed in over there. Um, it was kind of like, okay, season one, you could watch and then put it away and you didn't need to revisit it again. Right. So what did you think of season two, Barry? Because it's a very different structure of, of the season. So I'll state this for those that have never seen Ted Lasso. I cannot urge you enough to go watch season one. It is amongst my favorite shows I've ever watched. There's something charming about it without, like you said, without being so Pollyanna that you're like, okay, well, this is just, you know, whatever. The characters are great. Um, and we will be talking spoilers in this episode about season two. So if you haven't started it and you haven't seen all of season one, pause this and go finish season one and then decide if you want to watch season two before or after you listen to this. So I agree. My, yeah. My, my notes out of the way. So I can't think of many things that I was as excited to, you know, see a sequel or a spinoff or something as I was about Ted Lasso, because I kind of put all of my hopes and dreams into the basket of these creators that clearly, you know, they, they could see the gaping hole in pop culture. And the fact that almost everything I watch now, almost every show, every movie, every story is just dark and dreary and hopeless and you know tainted and complicated and you know here came ted lasso that didn't 
neglect those things. There were characters in the show that were wrestling with all those, but it kind of gave you an alternate view of like, the world doesn't always have to be down. There are things, it was kind of like this, can we have a balance of these worlds? Which I think not only just in these times, I think in general, we've lost a lot of that in pop culture. Like comedy has either been just dumbed down to like bathroom humor or doesn't exist at all. And now everything is edgy and weird and depressing. And so I kind of thought that people who created this show and did it so flawlessly couldn't possibly get lost on where to go for season two. I didn't know where they were going to go, but I'm like, oh, well, if you understood your characters that well, then season two is going to be awesome. After watching season two, I think the the fact that it's released every week and you had to wait week to week maybe made it worse for me because I think it was maybe after episode two or three, I wanted to burn the house of Ted Lasso to the ground. I was furious every <laughs> week. And I'm like, I, I got to the point where I expected them to make it even worse the next episode. And they never failed. Like every week was a bigger and bigger dumpster fire. <laughs> and it was like, it would be like, you know, you finally afford your house in Malibu overlooking the ocean. And it's like, I've all come conquer the mountain. And then the entire team just goes and starts digging the foundation to have everything come crumbling down and eaten and lapped up by the ocean and nothing's <laughs> left. Uh, so I could, I could expound upon it more, but does that give you a feeling for what I thought about season two of Dead Lasso? So yeah, I, I'm not clear. So you didn't like it. It's okay, a, okay. It's a, it's a five thumbs up. Go give them your money right away. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> you know what's funny is... Uh, so I, I, when we first talked about Ted Lasso season one uh, last year or earlier this year, I don't remember. Um, the thing that struck me about the show is that it had an appeal across all sorts of age brackets and taste sort of brackets. Um, so I recommended it uh, to my sister, for instance, and to my mother, and they watched it and they loved it. And so that's the appeal of the show. Now, season two is... A dumpster fire. No, it isn't. <laughs> it, here, here's, here's the thing. I had the same experience with season two that I had with season one in a weird way. Now, I'll say this up front. Season two is not as good as season one by any stretch yeah. um, for a variety of reasons. But season two, I started watching it and I did not like it. And I was a bunch, you're right, you have to wait a week. And every week I was like, do we even watch this thing? I mean, what are we going to give up on this? And we kept watching. And, you know, I watched the first few episodes. My mother was in town and we watched with her. And she sort of felt the same way. She's like, oh, it doesn't seem, seems like it's sort of lost its way. And I was like, yeah. And then it struck me about midway through the season, I, I am a little slow, but it struck <laughs> me what was happening. And what was happening was I was really irritated with a bunch of character turns in season two because they just simply didn't work. They ended up flattening characters that had more dimensions to them in season one. The biggest example of this was um, the, co- the owner of the team who was, I'm looking for her name right now. Um, Where's her name? 
Dun, dun, dun. Where is this woman's? So the the actress is Hannah Waddingham, and she plays Rebecca, yeah. the owner of, of the team. In season one, she's very good. Yes, she's a wonderful villain, yep. and she's she's a really striking presence in the show, and a very interesting character because yes. she's sort of multidimensional and she's struggling with a lot of things. In season two, and this is not not an exaggeration, in season two, every single time she's on camera, she is smiling. Every time. And it drove me crazy. Because, first of all, it's just insipid to see just this giant beaming smile. It's like, are you an idiot? Like, did you have a lobotomy? What is wrong with this character? It's incredible. And her relationship the writer's with fault. Keely, yeah, her relationship with Keely, who is the um, uh, are, Juno Temple, plays yeah. her, and she's this sort of this uh, social media influencer and marketer person. That relationship is terrible in season two, and Keely as a character is terrible again in season two. Yes. Just flattened out, awful. But here's what became interesting to me in season two as it went on is I, once I realized the structure of the, the dramatic arc had changed, in the first season, every obstacle Ted Lasso faced was external. Every one. People were conspiring against him, conniving against him. He had the media, the owner, all these people, the players. In season two, every single obstacle against him is internal for every character that has any sort of arc to it. So Ted Lasso, he can we, has can, this. Can you, can you list off which characters had an arc this year? Cause I'm not sure there's many of them. Yeah. Well, Ted, number one, did he, uh, I have to, I, did he, I have to look. Cause he was, he, he, was only, he was only about half the episodes cause the show That's just abandoned true. him. They, they did. Yeah. <laughs> just so went Ted, off. Ted Lasso has an arc to him. Does. Okay. Um, uh, Who's the other guy? The, the Roy Kent. Roy Kent. Yeah. The other one. He has an arc to him. Um, and the the what's his name? The the, the um, Nick. Nick, the, oh, the guy yeah, who yeah, is the yep, equipment yep, manager. Yep. He has an arc to him. Yeah, now, he does. He, Nick is in many ways is the most interesting character in season two. No. Um, but every obstacle is internal. And so Ted Lasso, you begin to understand why he is the you know, relentless optimist he is. And then he's even that way with his own psychological trauma and struggle. And so I found that compelling as the season wore on. And I found the other stuff just as annoying. I thought Rebecca and Keely, I just, they were those two and they just, she just won an Oscar, Hannah Waddingham, just won an Emmy. She's terrible in season two and everybody's so happy and content. And it's like, what are we doing? But I did find Ted's arc to be interesting. I found uh, Nick's arc to be interesting. And those things worked for me and propelled me through the season. Now it's nowhere near as good as season one. And it's, it can be frustrating to get through if you're not into it. There's one episode in this um, season. I have to, I have to find it. Don't tell uh, me. Don't tell me it's episode eleven when it's the uh, uh, what's his face, the beard. You know that's episode nine. 
Okay. Beard After Hours. And it's oh. funny, I didn't know that was the title of it because after it ended, I went, wow, that's just like Scorsese's After Hours, which is yeah. from 85 or something. A movie which I some people love. It's like this cult favorite. I fucking hate that movie. <laughs> I, like, I have a visceral reaction to that movie. First of all, because... I, I've been in similar situations in New York where everything's shut down and you're trying to you know, find your way. But like, I just really dislike that movie. And that episode irritated the hell out of me. Yes. And I was just, and it's funny because I was watching and I was thinking to myself like, oh, I wonder, I, I think that guy's going to die in this episode. I really thought that. I was okay. like, oh, maybe this is where things get real in Ted Lasso, man. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Not so much. So I, I would just say this. The external stuff in season one worked much better than the internal in season two. But there, there were some uh, interesting psychological and internal obstacles in season two, which made it worthwhile for me. So that, that was my basic takeaway. Although <laughs> I'll say this. I knew it was trouble when literally the very first episode in season two, the opening sequence they kill a dog. They kill oh. a dog. The mascot, and I'm just watching. No, it. I'm like, was it, that was in season one? Was or was that? No, that was season two. That was oh, the very yeah. first episode. And Got I'm it. like, did you just fucking kill a dog? Yeah. Like, are you are you aggressively trying to get people to hate you? Yeah, they what were. What are you doing? I I literally think that either the creator or the writers are unhappy with their contract. And can't find a way out. So if they just make people hate the show, they'll cancel it and they can get out of their contract. To me, I can understand from a story structure how there's certain things that are like intellectually interesting about what they did in season two. But 100% of it was antithetical to what you had created. It's like getting people into a romantic comedy and midway through pivoting into this, like someone's dying of cancer and dealing with grief. And you're like, well, that could be interesting, but that's not <laughs> that's right. not here. It's like a bait and switch. And I felt like the the season as a whole, what I loved about season one is there was just enough where it wasn't cookie cutter or like a bad Hallmark show. You know, there was enough depth where they didn't dig too much. And I know it's hard to talk about stuff like this, but if you read in like a uh, biography of somebody. Now, assuming they didn't do anything horrible that we discover that made them like, you know, a pedophile or something like that. Sometimes like, you know, someone like Walt Disney, he created something great. And then people will go back and they're like, but this wasn't great. That wasn't great. This wasn't great. And it, it tries to kind of muddy the waters. As, you know, can you appreciate art or do you have to like, you know, absorb everything about the person? And Ted Lasso, the art was season one. That was the beautiful dancing they might be doing a technically harder dance in season two, but it's one that nobody actually wants to see. And I don't understand why that choice was made. And I had distinct opinions kind of as I was going through season two, I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, if I was in the writer room, what would I have done? What are the things that choices I would have made? And let's start with what you liked about this season. And just, again, this is a major spoiler if you are not through season two. So just note, now's the time to hit pause but nate as charming yeah. as he was in season one and kind of that underdog that you rooted for and kind of you know he's finding his feet and and kind of growing into you know a successful person 
where he got to at the end of season two is interesting because I think there is an arc that gets him there and kind of overcorrects. You know, it's like, great, here's a shy kick puppy that grows up to not be a well-adjusted companion, but rather an aggressive beast that's going to come after you. The speech that he gave Ted on how he got this like attention and then it flipped and then, you know, he was like bitter and all that. That was like a bad soap opera where in a visual medium, they showed none of that. They needed him to pivot. And so they just like retroactively explained why without that ever being a thing. I think you could have had moments where he was trying to connect with Ted and you started to see that Fisher and started to see like now he's lost and he doesn't have anything. And so he's exercising muscles. He hasn't, but he's exercising the wrong ones that kind of turns him into the dark side. But I thought that pivot just happened all off screen for no reason, no real justification. And now I felt kind of like a, Disney character now they have their villain because I said Mm -hmm. once they at the end of season one they didn't have a villain and I said the show is going to suffer if they can't figure out who the villain is in the show and that's 12 episodes of proving you don't have a villain (laughs) you're you're lost and mired I loathe to the nth degree I don't even remember the actresses or her character's name but the the therapist what yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolute disaster. Yeah. I mean, she she took up half of Ted Lasso's space from season one, and there was no purpose for her. She didn't yeah. further anything. Nothing happened. The whole I didn't buy Ted's transformation or the, his arc at the end. I thought it was contrived and like empty. Like that whole thing just burned it to the ground. I think you know Nate's stuff instead of the stupid uh, therapist you could have had him struggling and trying to figure out like you could see that there was some dark sides to Ted that he was ignoring, which could have been those moments with Nate that you could have seen that. But again, that was never there because he's with a therapist and then the therapist is gone. You're like, why was she even here? Like you're just wasting what little screen time you have between these characters, which I think was a great mistake. And we'll get at the end, but I, I I have a take that they're kind of going toward now, but I, I, I know what I would have done with the show to make it more interesting. And I think because they didn't know what to do with Ted, because they had to kind of use season two to get a nemesis, it meant that everybody in the show didn't have a purpose. The person with the biggest purpose was uh, um, Roy Kent. And he had the most complete story arc, albeit not grand in any way, shape or form, but you know, he was a pretty interesting character. I think the most likable character was Higgins. And I think the reason was, is he was exactly who he was supposed to be. Like in every situation you drop him in and it's like, oh, they kick you out of your office again. And it's just like, there was a familiarity with it, but he never broke and never, you know, it was kind of like, oh, good. It's kind of like you go home and visit your parents and, you know, there's some like, oh, okay. There's a grounding here that Higgins provided from from season one to season two that nobody else did. And I feel horrible for the two lead actresses because as great as they were in season one boy yeah. oh boy the writers just said we're going to flush your characters down the toilet and do nothing with them yeah. i mean they started with that whole thing where you know the niece or whatever comes over and wants to be a strong powerful woman no. and then it's like i mean it, it, there was nothing there was no growth there was no there was nothing for them to do and now well i i, I don't i don't understand i mean if you take away the inherent structure they got to fill it with something so I understand if they want to move it internal, but I think it was too big of a switch to go, 
you know, take the lock and completely 180 it. I think you need to build into that. I think it would have been far more interesting in season three, seeing some of that leaking, you know, from mm. two to three. But I think everything happens so fast without warning, without any connection to the first season that I think I think they poisoned to a certain extent the whole series. I'm not sure, you know, I think people who liked it when they went back to it this time, I think they've lost a lot of viewers and I don't know if they're going to come back for season three. That may very well be true. Um, I will say this. I agree with many of your points. I thought the therapist was really a dreadful character and dreadfully cast. Yes. Um, What bothered me about that character was what they ended up doing with it defeats the purpose of the, the sort of, structure of the the show so bringing this new character this outsider in that ted has to talk to and all these things i think it would have been so much better if ted had those same conversations and those same revelations with a character already on the show right which would mean that character would have to process that information at the same time correct and it's not a professional relationship. It's, oh, this is, Ted Lasso is uh, in danger. He's vulnerable, revealing this information to people. Whether it's Higgins would be a perfect example because that character, the problem with Higgins in season two, he's so good in season one because he's between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, correct. He's, he's at war with himself because he wants to keep his job but he has to sell his integrity to do it. And then that, of course, all goes away in season two, which sucks. So if maybe if Ted just gets drunk one night and starts talking to Higgins and tells him stuff, and then it becomes a recurring thing, I think that may have worked better. Um, and it would have kept Ted's sort of external optimism, but shown an internal struggle. Yeah. Uh, and I'd also like to point out that I feel like the therapist they had Ted so for almost the entire season pushing back against it that you never saw any of the revelations. Like, right, I mean, right. there was very little of it was actually given out. So it's kind of like the writer's like, Oh, look, we're going to show that he's got vulnerabilities. And you're like, well, what are they? Well, we're not actually going to get there. Cause he's got a block. And you're like, all right, well then why are we spending time on this? It's like, you got to give me something. It's a show, show it to me. Yeah. And then it sort of gets into the cheesy cultural stuff of like oh i had panic attacks and we need to have a discussion and it's just like oh stop it like what are we doing but the other points um roy kent of course is along with ted lasso one of the favorite characters because it's a great character but even uh, i've always had a problem with the roy kent character i like that character but i just have a hard time believing him as a tough guy like (laughs) <laughs> the way he stands and walks and runs and just like, I'm sorry. This, if this cat walked into a room right now, I would not be the least bit intimidated <laughs> by him at all. Um, just remember so that European European broodiness is maybe different right, yeah, American yeah, it's maybe a little different than what I'm used to. Um, but he's an interesting character because he deals with his niece and yeah. the Keeley thing. Now here's the thing that really I thought was a missed opportunity that that they dropped the ball on because they were trying 
this happens, by the way, in, in sitcoms or, or in sitcoms generally, where the show turns on itself because everybody involved with it is so happy that, that it becomes about the people making the show and not about the show that they're making. Yeah. So, for instance, in the, in the show uh, The Office, right? So Michael Scott, Steve Carell plays Michael Scott. It's a great show. And for, I, I think it was seven seasons, he's just this idiot, <laughs> you know, sometimes lovable idiot, but an idiot. And he fucks everything up. People are irritated with him. But in, I think it was season seven or season eight, I don't remember. Um, Steve Carell is leaving the show at the end of the season. And so they have this story arc where everybody loves him. And they give him this big send off and it's this whole thing. And it's like, that undermines everything you did for the first six seasons of this show. That is not who Michael Scott is. Yeah. People don't love him. He's irritating. They may sort of put up with him and be like, oh, great. So it feels like the show does that with Keely in this show. She's not hated. She's a very likable character. But at one point, Jamie Tart um, comes back onto the team and he they drop the ball on that because Jamie Tart's an interesting character they totally sort of just let that blow by but he confesses his love for Keely and the more interesting choice they could have made is of course Keely for her to sleep with him and to be with him yeah well and that, that's what season three is going to be they already set that up should have been in this because she has everything she wants Roy Kent the whole thing and then, of course, people are self-destructive. That's kind of what the show's about. And she doesn't do it because they want everything to be nice. They want her to smile. They want no, I, the I owner to smile. Everybody's they, smiling. I don't think that's the case. I think that's coming. But I think because they have so little conflict, <laughs> they didn't want to use up what few cards they have. So they're pushing that. For, <laughs> that'll be the internal strife within their team because they're going to bring back an external threat in season three. So they want both inside and out, but that's going to be their, their inside turmoil for next season. I think if they, if they would have set up the show better from this year, I think they would have had that happen and backstab Roy Kent. And wouldn't that have been a great scene if he didn't see it coming and it was all nose and then just devastating to this tough guy you know, he's grown. He's like, you know, settling down. He's growing. He's forgiving. He's all these things. And then it's just like, yeah. And when you get to be the nice person, look at that. Those closest to you are going to stab you in the back. Yeah. And you're like, wow, yeah. like that's, that's compelling. Um, but it's not because like, oh, there's, you know, whatever. But I, I totally agree with you. I mean, Keely had nothing to do all season. Yeah. You know, so it's unfortunate. Yeah, and I like Juno Temple. She, oh, she's, she's great. A, a good well, she actress. also nails that role really well. Yeah. Now, here's the other thing that we need to talk about. And again, I, as, as we're talking here, I'm like, oh, geez. Um, I like the show. I, I like it. At the end of the season, I was like, all right, because I like spending time with Ted Lasso. I wish I, I had more time with him. But it, that's what I, how I feel. So, but, yeah, no, I totally. You know, here's, here's the I thing. I couldn't we disagree more. <laughs> The, the hour yes. watching that show every week, I don't think I had more anger in my Oh, those, oh my those. goodness. Well, I can't believe you think it's an hour. It was only like uh, 27 minutes. Well, it um, felt like an hour with how, like, it would it'd be like taking your child or your pet and torturing it to death and be like, isn't that a fun time? No, it wasn't. It wasn't at all. <laughs> so here's something that really 
did not work and just felt so uh, so the owner uh rebecca has this relationship with sam the the he's uh i think he's nigerian yeah soccer player and it's just so dumb and like I think what it is less so that it being dumb is that to me crossed the line into like a, a soap opera hallmark. Yeah. Like that's just, what it felt like. They yeah. just wanted to have, like, I have no problem with an older woman having a relationship with a younger man. I don't have any of the, you know, interracial thing. Like, you know, it is interesting, you know, the owner of a team and you know, that <laughs> I'm sure that creates conflicts. There might even be uh, problems, but if it's the owner and a player, who's really policing it, but it just, it didn't feel organic and it didn't. I think the problem is neither of those characters are developed enough for their, like I, Sam, I really like Sam, but he is a very much one dimensional kind of Pollyanna. Totally. You know, yes. there's no, there, so even the way he handled that relationship was wise beyond his years. Like you're kind of like, okay. Like yeah. he, he just takes it, <laughs> takes it and it's like diplomatic. And I'm like, man and even the way she struggled with it it was a very i i would call it subdued it was kind of like a, oh i shouldn't and then it, it i'm kind of like why did we invest in this if there's not gonna be yeah. bigger stakes it was just kind of like oh you know we had fun for a couple of weeks shouldn't do it okay move on but i really care about you and you're like wow that was completely not invested in either side of that story so i, I felt yeah. it was very 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 like saccharine it just was just it's, it's incredibly trite now there are all sorts of other things you could have done right that you could have had uh the owner and keely and uh jamie tart have, yeah. right some weird sort of well, shit going on there or whatever I mean, imagine imagine that bugs me would have been the great if bugs me keely backstabs roy you leave him out yeah. and then everyone's like how are you gonna get back and then you bring in a twist that you know she got undermined i mean that may be too diabolical, but I mean, like, then at least you have a rooting interest. I feel like Jamie Tart the first season, everybody wanted to punch him in the face. Like, you know I mean, like he he was the, he's so thing. good. Yeah. He was, oh, he's so good. <laughs> but I mean, then as as he's like, I loved in the first season, you started to warm him up, and then he gets traded and he feels betrayed. And it was like you saw the growth, and then problems came in. Yeah. That that's the great writing. That's when, you know, that should have been happening this season. And it was like, everything's flat, boom, big change. And there was no pivots. There was no like getting you to a step, but then realizing there's a cliff on the other side. And I think that needed to be there. But yeah, the, I mean, it was the stakes between Sam and Rebecca mean nothing to the show, it means nothing exactly. to the characters. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't further anything. It's just a disposable plot line that was not done. Yeah. Very. And, and the, it, the Sam character who, He's a very pleasant yes. character, and the actor who plays him is, is a very likable actor. But there's something sort of um, uncomfortable to me about how one-dimensional that character is. It almost feels like this sort of racial trope that there's this sort of simple, good-hearted... It's, he's not a real person. You know, he's just I, so good. There's zero like, people on the team that are real people yeah. outside of maybe Jamie Tart. Yeah. 
I mean, they, they've, they've developed none of those people. They're just, they're, it's like cheers. It's the people that come into the bar and walk out of the yeah. bar, but they're not part of the main core. And so you don't, you're not really that invested with them. I think Sam has potential. I don't know what I would do with him, but until they start doing something, it's, it's just sad. It's just, it's not. Like, uh, yeah. So it would have been interesting if Sam, instead of um, protesting, you know, wanting to protest that oil company or whatever it is. Yeah. He does it. Yes. He caves. He caves. Right. Because he's well, trying to build this? a career, you know, like this whole thing or. Uh, yeah, Let, well, so. let's spitball. So let's say that he, you know, his dad lectures him. They're taking advantage of this, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, so he, he caves and he still does the advertisement. His dad kind of like disowns him. Then that plot line where the rich billionaire comes in, wants to come play for his home national team. You know, he goes to do it, but then his dad, you know, disowns him. And so now he's a man without like a family right. or a yeah. country or a, a team. Like, you and all of a sudden he's real. He's an yeah, interesting person. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You're not saying these huh. are the best ideas, but it's taken us what? Well, five they're, but they're ideas, right? There's, there's just something. Yeah. Because it's funny. As I said, again, I'm going to have to keep repeating this. I actually liked by the end, I was like, oh, you know what? We got to watch Ted Lasso. Now, here's the interesting thing. When the first season ended, I was sad. I was like, oh, man, I, I wish we had more Ted Lasso. When the season ended, I was like, oh, okay. Well, that, that was over. So it's, you know, I'm not saying it's like the greatest show ever, but I am saying that I, I ultimately enjoyed spending time with it once a week uh, for Mike, half an hour. Mike gets paid a thousand dollars per people that he gets to watch the show. So I'm just letting you know where this is coming. Yes, from. I should disclaimer. Um, I do work for Apple because okay. as you as longtime <laughs> listeners know, I'm constantly talking about how great Apple Plus is. Apple TV Plus, it's such a great streaming service that it took me a year and a half to find it. But yeah, so it's weird. It's, it's just one of those things where I was like, definitely disappointed, but I, I often think like, well, I watched it, you know, and, and I liked Ted Lasso and maybe I'm just being sort of, I'm convincing myself. <laughs> Although I do it, I, I well, obviously I'm gonna, realize for, it's not good for the, well, it's, it's not good for what they created the show to be. Like if let's yeah. say this was season one of the series. I would have less problems because I'd be like, okay, this show is about this and that. And I don't like that, but I would have never recommended the show to anybody to watch had this been season one. So I don't like it when shows completely pivot out of the core of who they are. Um, yeah. I know reading stuff about early comedians in you know the history of Hollywood, you know, if you didn't understand the character and what made audiences, you know, what are the rules? There's always some sort of rules and structure and Ted Lasso created the rules and structure. And if they want to break them, they have to be aware of them and like figure out a clever way to break them. And this, they just went like, well, this would be more interesting. And you're like, yeah, but that's not this type of show. This isn't like, you know, a dark, <laughs> we're not going, you know, this, it, it doesn't work in this framework. You know, same thing if you go back to like, you know, bad sitcoms or good sitcoms, whatever your opinion, you know, like the, uh, you know, Full House or Family Matters or, you know, Tool Time, any of those things, when they would slip in like an episode where someone was dying of cancer and everyone's like, wait, I'm not laughing. You're like, well, if we're on the air for 10 years, you do want to deal with some real subjects. But it was like an episode. 
they didn't take a whole season be like this is the year that tim allen has cancer and we're not going to laugh and you're like right i don't think people are going to respond to that show so i do think that they got caught up in the they want to add more layers and depth they almost didn't want to be pigeonholed by what they had created and i think that's sometimes a problem now where you're like no sometimes when you create something you just got to repeat that like you got to find ways to make that fresh but you don't get to like if you want to do something new start a new show um but i found myself by the end of it like being angry that ted lasso was on and i had to watch it like i'm like oh my gosh i don't want to watch it again and i thought the cliffhanger was interesting from the standpoint of like okay but i was so angry at how they got there and how like half-assed they did that story visually and they're just like oh we'll just tell it and now here's our setup and the problem is is now i'm not invested in the future clash because there's no like if you would have had the moment or moments you needed many of them that ted and nate would have started to have that disconnect where nate was feeling kind of isolated then when the clash comes and like nate has a way to make backstab ted and it's like that's what you did to me there's like an understanding but it's also it it feels more because you can see what's causing yeah. it where now it's just like why does the penguin hate batman nobody knows he's just a penguin and he hates batman and i feel like that's now what it's been reduced to where you could have had a a far more interesting dynamic um but i guess that's my that's my opinion yeah i i thought nate was an interesting character through the season until the end um i felt it got a little away from them but i thought the idea of him sort of getting promoted and doing better and that going to his head and sort of success makes you more of what you are you know sort of thing um and revealing that i thought that was interesting i thought the whole thing with uh, I remember that this the one where he goes to the restaurant to try and yes you know you know that, was, that. by I the way that, that was a great that was a great yeah. piece of an episode yeah it, that was terrific and uh, and his and when he kissed Keeley um, yeah. you know where he's sort of feeling himself and it's like oh okay um, and that could have had more to it you right. know like everybody being so understanding doesn't make for very good drama or right. comedy. <laughs> right? yeah. so you're sort of like okay why is it roy can't like tearing somebody a new asshole for for doing that like it, it just you can evolve but you can't evolve all at once and have everything be behind you it's it's so i think that holds it back um let me pitch this to you so i've thought okay a lot about this like if i would have been in charge how could you have not made everything internal and what would have made, I think it would have made Rebecca more interesting. Like the whole thing would have been far more interesting. And what I thought they should have done, and I don't know how you would have written it, like how you would have got it in there, but I thought her ex-husband needed to somehow grab partial control of it so that you had the direct clash where Rebecca was losing. And maybe there was some sort of stakes where they were trying to like, buy the other share and if he got that then he got controlling interest so there was definitely like you know f this guy you know all that sort of stuff but then he would have been around to start watching the nate and ted disintegration and instead of nate winning you know and having them play his thing if he would have been like i know this will work 
And because people like Ted Lasso and they chose to go with the person they liked over what was a better action, he would have been destroyed and humiliated and Ted, yay, all this sort of stuff. And then you would have cut back to the owner. And then when he gives the his shares back to his ex-wife, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. he's growing. Then in season three, when he's like, by the way, I bought this and F you, Nate's my coach. And everybody knows that Nate's a better coach than Ted. Now you're worried for Ted. And now it just sets up for like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And none of that happened. Like you have yeah. nothing, none of those epic battles, you know, tit for tat are going on in season three. And I'm just, I'm sad for it. I feel like this was a huge, huge, huge missed opportunity. Well, as previously stated, I have really deep connections over at Apple. So I'm going <laughs> to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pitch that and I'm going to say, listen, let's do Ted Lasso season two redux. Oh, right. Can this be the Snyder cut? Can it be? <laughs> yeah, it'll be the Snyder cut of Ted Lasso <laughs> season two. And I'll pitch him on it. And uh, I, it. I bet you anything they'll go for it. I mean, Apple's I'll work for free. Money, I'll be like Zack Snyder. I'm, I'm directed. For oh, free. no, 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 no. You're not going to work on it, Barry. Oh, okay. But the idea will go forward. Good. Um, good. Just take it. I'll pitch you it. Call me yeah. for ideas. I'll give them to you. No, those are all solid critiques. And again, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just a function of, of being attached to Ted Lasso that like, I just sort of <laughs> whistle past the graveyard of this, of all these errors that, that I've been sharing with you as well. And like, ultimately just enjoyed that because it, it's interesting. I don't, for the most part, have appointment viewing. Yeah. You know, and we didn't watch Ted. La I think it would come out on Fridays or something. We wouldn't watch it right away. When it no, came yeah, out. we'd watch it, you know, whenever, when whenever could. it fit that week or something like that. Yeah, yeah but it, it gives a structure, you know, and it, yes. and it was just like something that I was used to and, and would be like, oh, we can watch that. We can watch this. And uh, and so that maybe that's why I'm I'm not quite as hopping mad about it as, as you are or as, yeah. you know, as you know, quite I as critical as you are. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel irrationally, but yet justified in how angry. <laughs> so I don't know what that, I don't know what that means. But that, what a turn of events. Yeah, I know, this I know. Is, that's usually my role to be irrationally <laughs> angry over some stupid well, fucking movie. I, I don't know if I've told you this before, but I remember for whatever decade, you know, 15, 20 years when Pixar was just knocking him out every single time out of the box, you know, out of the gate, it was like a darn near perfect movie. It was great. It was wonderful. And it got to the point where everyone's just like, I'll go see any Pixar movie because they're brilliant. Yeah. And then lo and behold, they started getting not as good and there'd be a dud in there. And everybody was still like, ah, oh, Pixar is the best. And you're like, but the last one wasn't so great. The one before that wasn't so great. <laughs> and there's, I think there's psychologically like a, a, a cookie jar of goodwill for lack of a better analogy, that gets built up when people really like a yes. brand. And it takes a while to ebb away from that. And usually people's enjoyment outstretch when it kind of jumped the shark. And then all of a sudden they wake up and they're like, I guess I don't know if I like Pixar movies as much as I used to. And you're like, yeah, yeah welcome to the club, pal. Um, <laughs> and I remember, I remember kind of thinking that as I was watching these Pixar movies, and everyone's like, oh, it's the greatest. I'm like, but it wasn't. But why are people thinking that? And I remember I had a friend that worked there and I remember reading the story about Joe Ramp, uh, who was their story guy. And he died tragically in a car accident. And basically you can kind of track from when he died 
kind of like story elements kind of going and not that he was the only person, but you're like, oh, so now I see what that person's influence was. You take them out and it takes a while for things to kind of, you know, go on down. Um, and I think to a certain degree that just was accelerated. I mean, I love, I mean, I Higgins is wonder like all the characters are wonderful. I mean, I, I think all of them had at least a scene where you're like, oh, good. That feels warm and fuzzy again. And I like this but it just was so infrequent over 12 episodes and yeah. so much of the time. Like I just, every time the therapist was there, I was like, this is just cut it out. Just yeah. literally cut out that whole subplot. It's not needed. Doesn't add anything. The character they brought in isn't interesting. And so I just found myself dragging, you know, again, they could have had something interesting with that billionaire from Africa. Yeah. And, then, and then they just wrap that up stupidly at the end. And you're just like, God, you guys are building nothing. <laughs> like, what are we building yeah. for at the end? And so now you just, it's going to be her ex-husband and Nate in season two. And then what are we going to do? Go back to having Ted saying quippy thing. Like, I don't know. I don't, it's like someone shut off the lights and they're driving around the desert and they have no idea where they're going now. And I'll be very curious. Do they find the road again? Or are they just going to end up dead one day in a ditch <laughs> without water? I literally have e equal could happen. Ted Lasso dead in a ditch. <laughs> there it is. There's the headline. Lasso found dead in ditch. <laughs> More after the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it is strange, and I think you're right about like the goodwill being built up because I I feel like that's why I'm not as irrationally angry over this over this show um, being not as good as it was. And uh, I had a recent experience, I won't get into it, with a movie in a similar way, where I found there were a lot of things wrong with the movie. Um, and yet I was like, huh, you know what? I guess I kind of like that movie. <laughs> Even though I can check all these things off that are wrong with it, I'm like, I, maybe it was just the fact that it, it was like a movie that they don't really make anymore. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, well, that, I like, it. and it, the director is somebody who I like. And I'm like, okay, you know, sort of goodwill built up. But when you start deconstructing it, you're like, eh, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> you know? But so it's just weird that idea that, that like, you, so it's, it's a matter of where you, where you sort of are in, in your own personal yeah. space when you see something, particularly a movie. Well, he um, you think about this is I, I chose not to read any spoilers because, again, I wasn't watching it Friday night, you know, the moment it dropped. But I would see people being like, oh, my God, Ted Lesso, you did it again. All the feels and yeah, yeah, like there was yeah. all these. And then I'm like, oh, I'm like, did they, you know, did they kill someone? What? And I watched <laughs> the episode and I was like, what were they talking about? Like, yeah. like the big feels, the big things. I'm like, none of those things existed. The only time I think you could maybe say that is the end of the last episode. You know, if you didn't see that that train was <laughs> set sail yeah. a few episodes sooner, but you're like, Oh, okay. But I mean, like none of it was big or grandiose or like heartbreaking or like, just like, yeah, it is what it is. So yeah. I, I was wondering where I was to disconnect, but I think people are trying to attach because I think so much right now, people need an outlet for their emotions. So I think because they kind of found an intimate friend in Ted Lasso and this family, I think they can project. And so I think, People are excising their demons and seeing these dark things, but 
in reality, in terms of what the show is, all that's just projection. It's not inherently in season two, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's that's an insightful analysis. And uh, I, I, you've convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, I, I, do, I do think that's an insightful analysis because I saw the th- same things. I wouldn't read about it um, when I wasn't, when I hadn't seen the episode, but like I'd see all these headlines and all these people being like, oh, Ted Lasso, it's, you know, and I would have the same feeling of just like, okay, maybe it, it, it does feel like, this show became how to say um, sort of this uh, virtue signal in a way yeah. of being like, oh, this is the type of show it is. This is the type of person who likes the show. Um, and it and it touched on all these, in, in a way it touched on all these sort of cultural political topics in a in a way that certain segments of the viewing public would appreciate it and of course it's certain segments of the viewing public that are only watching this like you know ted lasso won a bunch of emmys and things like that but like i guarantee you the the numbers for it are not huge yeah there aren't tons and tons of people watching it um most dare i say ordinary people have never seen Ted Lasso and probably never will, but season one. So it's yes, but but it becomes like sort of a signifier of like, Oh, this is almost like a, a class signifier of like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of a cultural elite. So I watch Ted Lasso and I understand and appreciate it. Um, But I think you're right because I think the same thing happened to me that, that for me, it was just, I, I just wanted to not have the season one experience be false. Correct. You know, because it felt so great. Yeah, it did. It really did. It really did. <laughs> it really did. It, it was so great. And, and Jason Sudeikis is great as Ted Lasso. And yes. I, he, they, do, they do need to utilize it more and, and things. But yeah, so here's, this is one of the interesting things about this podcast is, you know, things happen in real time, folks. <laughs> and uh, I came in feeling one way, I'm going out feeling another. <laughs> I, was, I was gonna i was gonna say i'm getting messages from people saying like they would pay money if we locked us in a room and had to watch season two over again <laughs> and duke it out in real time uh <laughs> <laughs> well i'll say this i as i said at the beginning it, this is not like something i'm willing to fight over no no i know <laughs> i mean there are things that i am willing to fight over but ted lasso is not one of them but uh all right barry so in conclusion you really didn't like season two of ted lasso I, dumpster fire is how i would label it on a scale of I, one to ten uh, it got a one i'm less irrationally angry about it uh i wouldn't say dumpster fire i would give it a uh on a scale of one to ten you're giving it a one i'd probably give it a a five okay so i mean it's not my job know. to tell you you're wrong but no, and to be honest, you you've done a very very good job in this podcast of convincing me otherwise of because uh, I I wasn't blown away by it. It's just it, it was like comfort food, you know. It is well, um, like I said, everybody has scenes, so it's like you see one of those scenes and you're like, oh, this is great, and it's like you kind of forget. Well, I'll go back to Pixar. I've asked this question a thousand times. I ask people like, did you like Up? 
And inevitably, everybody says they love Up. And then I said, do you remember that there was a talking peacock in the movie? And everyone's like, what? And I'm like, do you like Up? Or did you like the first five minutes of Up about that brilliant love story? And then whatever came after that, you were going to love because that first five minutes was perfect. And I think for 95% of people, that first five minutes, I could have shown anything after that. And you would have loved the movie because most people don't remember most of the movie up. They just remember that really sweet scene. And that covered the rest of the movie, which I think is super fascinating. I've never seen up. I I know this about you. I I know that you you wear this badge of honor. Now, if you're not going to watch our movie, that's not the one to watch. But it yeah. is like go online and Google, like I'm sure the first five minutes. It is visually almost a perfect love story. Like it is that good. And then the rest of the movie is nowhere near that caliber. But well, because you mentioned they, because they got you on an emotional level, they were free to do whatever they want. It was emotional abuse after that for the rest of the movie. <laughs> it's like, oh, you, we love each other, it's fine. You mentioned, um, this is off topic a little bit, you mentioned a talking peacock, which is interesting because it reminded me that, um, so last Friday, Halloween Kills came out. It's the 12th Halloween movie and it came out and it's streaming, it's in theaters and it's streaming on Peacock. And so I had to watch it for work. So I signed up for Peacock. And I go to Peacock to find Halloween Kills. And they have a whole section for Halloween. Like, not just Halloween the movie, but the Halloween season. And it's called Peacocktober. (laughs) And I just thought that was... Who's the asshole? (laughs) thought of that. Hey, I got an idea, everybody. Let's call our Halloween section Peacocktober. Jesus Christ. First of all, who's the who's the jackass who who decided to name the streaming service Peacock? That that doesn't help. But no, no. I'm never surprised that someone in a meeting comes up with a bad idea because those are ever present. In a company the size of NBC Universal, for that clearing all the obstacles and being out there in the public, that's the part I have no idea. Well, you know somebody (laughs) high up had to come up with it. They had to like, I got something clever, and everybody's like, oh. I don't think that's a good idea. October sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That sounds wonderful. Oh, man. Oh, man. All right. So we should wrap this thing up. So Ted Lasso season two, it's not on Peacock Peak October. It's on Apple TV Plus. And Barry really disliked it. I was less full of uh, animosity towards it, but he's convinced me that um, it's not even as good as I thought it was. So... I guess we're both giving a thumbs down to Ted Lasso season two, but you know what? I mean, maybe season three will be better. I, I have a funny feeling it won't, Yeah, I know. but maybe it will. Maybe no. it will. I, we'll find out. Unless they listen to this podcast and take our ideas. Oh, you know, they will, <laughs> you know, they're gonna. <laughs> Tim cook is an avid listener. I know he's I know. the head of, of Apple. He's and he's a dear friend of mine. Yeah. So, uh, and I'll picture your ideas, man. Okay, do sure. it. Just take it. Um, all right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Looking California Film, Minnesota. And we'll see you next time.